Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. My uh, blog this morning on our Bill Kelly Show page at 900CHML.com uh, suggests that uh, this is a uh, America's nightmare that uh, that we're witnessing with what's happening with the border crisis, and uh, and I think that's what it's become over the last little while. Uh, the detainees, uh, people that are seeking asylum, uh, and uh, and the the way that the government has handled this, and we've heard the rhetoric back and forth. Donald Trump is still blaming Democrats for this, which is a lie, by the way. Uh, uh, Jeff Sessions with his comments, uh, the the director of Homeland Security with her comments, and on and on it goes. Uh, and it probably, as, as, as big a crisis as it was becoming, probably reached the tipping point when uh, a, a reporter went down to the site where a lot of this was happening and, and made a recording of some of these little children, and they are just little children, that were being taken from their parents uh, for how long they don't know. And, and this, this audio recording of some of those kids is, is, well, if you haven't heard it, listen carefully, because it's, I think it, it's a, one of the most poignant pieces you're going to hear that really, I think, frames exactly what we're talking about here. That uh, that audio recording goes on for about six and a half more minutes. Uh, I just wanted to give you a flavor for what was going on. Imagine, imagine you as a parent uh, when you have to separate from your child. A child gets lost in the store and is found. The the cry the uh, the first day at school. But but that's manageable because you know, okay, it's going to be fine. These kids don't know that. They don't know they're, they're being taken from their literally from their parents' arms, and as we have seen. And as officials have already acknowledged, yeah, they're being kept in cages, except they say, well, they're not really cages. Yeah, they are. They're cages. And Donald Trump is saying, well, it's the Democrats' fault. If you don't give me the money from my wall, the kids stay there. It's, it's blackmail of, of the highest degree, and it's, it's a national shame. But it may have reached the tipping point with that audio recording, because now we're starting to get some reaction, even from Republican lawmakers, that maybe this has to come to an end. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Claire Finkelstein, Algeron Bill, professor of law and professor of philosophy at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Claire, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Bill. I, uh, I, it, I, it breaks my heart when I see the pictures, when I hear what's going on. And, and by the way, that's a problem in and of itself because it took us a long time to actually get any evidence of what was happening there because authorities wouldn't let it, uh, reporters or even politicians into the scene. But do you get the sense, Claire, that because of this audio recording that, that maybe we have reached a tipping point in this? I don't know. It's very hard to tell. The administration continues to insist, as you said, that it's the Democrats' fault. Uh, either that or they deny that the policy actually exists. Um, and they are not accepting that they have the power to change this. Let's be very clear. President Trump has the power to issue an executive order that would end this policy immediately. So the idea that Congress has to act or that uh, this is just a continuation from Obama, which is clearly not the case because it didn't happen under Obama, uh, is false. Now, the administration does not sound like it's about to stop this. So while there's a tipping point in terms of public opinion, that I believe, uh, and that members of Congress are starting to introduce bills and feel strongly about this, the administration seems unwilling to act. Uh, there could be a bill that will come out of Congress. There is, a, there are a number of them that have been proposed, uh, but 
remember that the president can veto that bill. Are the votes there for an override? That's but, not clear right now. But, Claire, we're hearing so many mixed messages, and you're absolutely right. In in, in the space of about a two-and-a-half-minute uh, diatribe uh, yesterday, I guess it was, the Homeland Security uh, actually contradicted herself. I mean, you know, there is no policy. Yes, there is a policy. This is what we're doing. They don't even have the message straight. They don't at all. And uh, I think they are flummoxed themselves. The, sp- the spokespersons for the White House do not exactly know what to say. The White House hasn't organized its messaging, uh, and that's because they don't really have a very clear purpose for this policy, other than, I think, to try to achieve some kind of uh, political gains with regard to support for the wall by creating enough evil so that everybody wants it to stop, and then the president thinks that he will have maximum leverage to try to uh, get support for his border wall. I don't think it's going to go down like that, but I think that's what the president thinks he's doing. Claire, let me, from a legal standpoint, if I could get your your opinion on this, uh, because there seems to be some debate still to this point uh, about who's coming across the border and and about whether or not uh, the the government officials are overreacting to this. Uh, My understanding, and and, and I'm looking for some clarity here on this, is that uh, illegal entry into the United States is a misdemeanor, not not a major crime. Is that correct? Well, in fact, it was always only a civil offense until recently. So under this administration, they have decided to criminalize illegal presence in the United States, in the United States, which is what is allowing them to engage in these uh, detentions so, uh, and prosecutions rather than just releasing people and send them back. And I'll give you an example, Bill. Uh, it was always the case that pregnant women were not detained because they did not have the facilities to care for those women and to give them the health care that they needed. But now that criminal presence in the U.S. has been illegalized, they are actually proceeding with uh, prosecutions of pregnant women who have come across the border illegally and are in the U.S. illegally. So turning this into a criminal matter um, is a game changer because that's what's allowing the prosecution, and that is serving as the justification for separating these children from their parents. And, and by the way, we're talking about the children, obviously, for you know the, because of the the impact that this is having. Uh, but there are adults, obviously, that are impacted by this too, that are still being herded away and and now putting into what basically I think one person rather cryptically referred to as as American concentration camps. And I don't know if that's overstating it or not, but I mean, you, you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, that's essentially what they're doing here is is just housing these people for how long we don't know under what charges. Uh, well, the the one that I've heard is what you just articulated. Uh, they're they're criminals because we say they're criminals. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I don't think it's an exaggeration. We interned Japanese-Americans during the war, and those camps were horrendous. The policy was completely unjustified. Uh, and that uh, court decision upholding those camps has gone down in history as one of the most terrible and evil decisions uh, that the United States Supreme Court has ever made. These camps are probably worse than those camps in the Korematsu decision. Um, and uh, th- I think they are concentration camps. And even the um, camps involved with the Japanese Americans did not separate the parents from the children. So when you have children, very little children as young as four years old, 
being kept in cages with uh, overcrowding. There are as many as uh, 2,500 of them now in, uh, in a situation in which they're in, they, the facility literally does not have the ability to care for them. They don't have medical care. Uh, they don't have um, adequate comfort, and the guards are not even allowed to give any comfort to the children or hug them. Uh, that starts to look very much like a concentration camp. Well, your reference about the internment camps, I think, is, is well taken. And by the way, we share that shame because it happened in Canada as well, as you know, during World War II. Uh, Japanese Canadians, Italian Canadians, German Canadians, uh, many were interred uh, and taken away from their homes and their families uh, and left in camps uh, for the longest time. Our government has officially tried to apologize for that, uh, which is why you'd think in this day and age, in you know, the year 2018, that we wouldn't see this. I mean, what, what bothers me, Claire, when I see these pictures and hear those, these descriptions, this is something you, w- you might see from some you know, tin pot dictator in the third world, not from the president of the United States. Well, that's right, and I think what's really important here to keep our eye on is that it's not inadvertent. It's not as though the administration is pursuing uh, legitimate immigration goals uh, or immigration control goals, and this has just sort of gotten out of hand. The cruelty is deliberate on the part of the Trump administration because it's by leveraging that cruelty that he thinks he is going to get political mileage. I still don't entirely understand the calculation because I very much doubt that he's going to get the support for the border wall, and I very much doubt that it will play to his base in the way that he thinks. So, for example, Senator Cruz, who is by no means a lily-hearted liberal, uh, came out very strongly against this policy, and there were large segments of Cruz followers who probably were Trump supporters, would continue to support the president. Uh, But Cruz knows that there's a limit. And the the cruelty of this policy, the hard-heartedness of it, is actually not playing very well to the American public. It's the contradiction, I guess, that bothers me. And I know that some people are trying to frame this as, well, you know, you come across the, the border illegally, you're going to get thrown in jail. That's all there is to it. Uh, and, and But it's the, it's the Trump administration that is determining that, that what they're doing is, quote-unquote, illegal. Uh, I, I mean, you know, was this the same way that, that, uh, that people from, from Europe were treated, for instance, when they came across on ships and entered New York Harbor and faced the Statue of Liberty? I mean, those, those people did not all, all file for citizenship right away. I mean, they came, and, and the government tried to facilitate them as best they could. And, I, you know, we all know about Ellis Island and things of that nature. But, and, and I, but I think there is a parallel here. Yet, and instead of saying, give me your poor, your huddled masses, Trump is saying, lock them up. Well, the irony is that, of course, President Trump himself came from an immigrant family, <laughs> a family of German extraction, and there have been waves of immigration in our history for many, many years. These are, by and large, asylum seekers. Uh, at least many, many of them are asylum seekers. And we have a long history, um, at least a policy, which the United States, to its shame, has not always adhered to, but the policy has been that if you are facing uh, violence and intolerable conditions in your home country, you may apply for asylum. And you may apply for asylum even if you are already in the country. The other irony here is that many of the populations that President Trump thinks uh, comprise his base and that he's playing to are ones that rely very heavily on migrant workers. 
So in Texas, for example, the migrant worker population is really essential to that economy. Uh, and the employment numbers for Americans are not at all low. In fact, there's very little unemployment among Americans in those areas. So these migrant workers are helping the economy. They're not taking jobs away from Americans. The, the policy is absolutely confused, and it's uh, gratuitous cruelty, as they say. Well, and it was one of the, the lies of the Trump campaign when he was running for president, obviously, clarity, you know, to suggest that they're coming in here uh, raping our women, taking our jobs, uh, both of which, of course, are untrue. But is, is there a lack of understanding uh, about what happens in Mexico? I mean, they, they don't seem to understand. I mean, somebody may have gone to a resort down there in Cozumel and figured that's the way all Mexicans live. It's not. Uh, there are drug cartels. There are people that are being killed in the streets almost on a daily basis in some of those towns because there are gang wars that go on down there. It's no wonder some people are looking to get across the border. Well, that's right, and that's not just in Mexico, of course. Um, in Guatemala and Honduras and all over uh, Central Latin America, uh, there were people fleeing violence from these gangs. Uh, and uh, the a lot of it has to do with drugs. Most of it has to do with drugs. Uh, the fact that they are still coming across the border, uh, though that may start to change now, but the fact that they are still coming really attests to the level of violence that, and fear that they have about remaining at home. So, so therein lies the problem, and, and these people are not uh, criminals that are trying to escape criminal prosecution in Mexico. These are, these are people that are trying to escape and get a better life, uh, which is actually supposed to be part of the American dream, at least it was at one time. Well, and that's, that's correct, and again, this is just the sort of latest wave of immigration, but we have many, many years of different countries, you know, the Irish, um, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, and, uh, of course, farther back, uh, as I say, Trump's own ancestors coming from Germany. Uh, and we have been, by and large, a nation that has a kind of balanced policy with regard to immigration. Our borders are tighter than many countries, especially many countries in Europe. Uh, Germany has sort of led the way of accepting immigrants that other countries have not been willing to accept in recent years. But we also have some terrible examples in our past that we remain ashamed of, so turning boatloads of Jews away uh, who were fleeing Nazi aggression during the war. We're not proud of those instances in our era, uh, in our history, and uh, from that era. And we, uh, we regret those instances, and we ought to be on the right side of history at this time. Uh, email from uh, Rebecca, who's listening to our conversation. This administration needs to pay the price of the ballot box for this travesty. I just hope enough Americans wake up to the tyrannical abuses of this president and recognize how dangerous he is to democracy as a whole. When I saw that mural of Trump welcoming, in quotes, those poor traumatized children into the warehouse where they were kept, I was immediately reminded of the murals painted everywhere in Iraq of Saddam Hussein. The world was horrified by those visuals and should be outraged by this horror show. Uh, and, and Rebecca's point is well taken, Claire. Uh, I, I saw, I had the same feeling of, of uh, you know, the, the, the glorious leader, whether it was Mao Zedong or anything. It's the, uh, you know, there's the Trump ego involved in this, and then there's the Trump who's going to basically telling the American people, I'll do whatever it takes to get what I want. In this case, it's that money for that wall. Well, I think so, and I think that those children are literally being held hostage in order for for Donald Trump to pursue his agenda. And it's not as though this policy was 
was even well orchestrated from that standpoint. So even if it were somehow an effective way by holding children hostage and then ransoming, ransoming them so that they could get uh, Democratic senators to support some funding for the wall and so on, it hasn't been rolled out in any kind of effective way uh, so that there's a coordinated policy. They were not prepared for these large numbers of children, and the number is growing daily. Uh, they were not equipped, and they were not equipped with their messaging and their communication strategy around this. So it's more like a series of impulses coming out of the president uh, that then suddenly everyone has to have to and, and follow and struggle to try to implement without adequate preparation. I, I have not heard uh, anything from Mitch McConnell, the Senate the Majority Leader, uh, Republican, obviously. Uh, Orrin Hatch, I know, has weighed in on this, Claire, and suggested that the president immediately declare a moratorium until they can find some sort of a resolution for this. Uh, is, is is that a, an idea that's going to gain some strength within the Senate and, and the Congress and, and to maybe convince the president that enough is enough? I don't know. Uh, it's possible. There, there are a number of bills pending. A number of them are bipartisan. Uh, and different segments of the Republican Party are getting together. I think that the Republicans are realizing that they're losing ground, but you're absolutely right that Mitch McConnell is one voice that has not been heard in this, and he may stay silent uh, until, unless and until the president actually changes his policy, which has been McConnell's tendency. But, but very right-wing Republicans are starting to say enough is enough. And... Uh, and we'll see what that can produce. I mean, the context for the, many of these things that we've talked about over the last few weeks, Claire, of course, are the other midterm elections, which are coming up this November. And we've talked about trade policies and the, and the North Korea deal, such as it was, uh, as, as having some sort of an impact on this. Surely these visuals and this audio and, and, and the story this, uh, that are being told has to have an impact on those elections. Well, it's really interesting because one might suspect that Trump is doing this in order to have an impact on the midterm elections. Uh, but in fact, by not allowing journalists into those facilities and releasing very limited footage, uh, they're not actually even claiming the you know sort of media rollout that you might expect they would want from this. So why engage in a policy in order to help you in the midterm elections, if that's at least part of what's going on, and then actually hide it out of shame uh, because the images aren't good. Well, that again, goes to the issue of coordination and messaging and and uh, communication strategy. It's uh, changing by the day, so we'll certainly see what happens later today. It's always a pleasure to get your perspective on this. Claire, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me, Bill. Claire Frickelstein from the uh, University of Pennsylvania Law School. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.